Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. All right, and here I am back again. Uh, this section of the recording, I just wanted to let everyone know that we had some difficulties after we recorded this episode. Uh, this episode had Wilbur Pan in it, uh, who is an awesome guest, and just we were pretty disappointed that after we finished recording that um, we went back and downloaded off of the YouTube channel, which records from the Google+, and we had lost uh, the second half of the interview. So um, we kind of torn I went back and forth on what to do and ultimately decided that the best thing to do which is to go ahead and put the content that we had out even if it wasn't complete so that you would at least have a chance to listen to part of it um, so after this you will hear that the rest of that interview uh, just kind of a note going forward um, we've we've just had some issues in, in the past and we've decided that we're going to switch up on the recording of the podcast a little bit and moving over to Skype just a kind of behind the scenes but um, ultimately what we we want to do is just give you the listeners a better um, better experience so better audio and and try to keep the content up so uh, we hope that's what we can provide for you and thanks for listening and we appreciate all the support and here we go Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 34th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is Wilbur Pan of GiantCypress.net. But before we get to him, gentlemen, what's going on in your shops? Chris Atkins, what's happening in your shop? Hey, Tom. Uh, about the same as it was last week, uh, but, you know, with the 4th of July weekend here, I am... Uh, I'm hoping to actually get some stuff done in the shop. It's supposed to be raining all weekend here in Atlanta, so um, the plan is to to get down and, and start, uh, first of all, clean out a path big enough where we moved everything out for um, getting the house painted and all that and uh, see if I can get a little work done in there. So I'm not sure what's on my bench just yet and going on. So well, we'll we'll find out on Saturday. Isn't we'll it? be able to see Friday. what's on the bench until you actually clean it off. So Right. And it'll be yeah. a surprise. That's right. Isn't it funny how you wish for rain so that your outdoor honeydew list can't get done and you just have to go in the shop? That's right. I know it's 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 um you know we've I've with work I've been pretty busy because we're uh, we've got a project going that that I'm starting and it's in the dirt right now so we're grading and stuff on it. So so I can't do anything with my my real day job because it's raining. The fourth is here, and I can't do anything outside because it's raining. So I'm like, I'm I'm going to the shop, and uh, the wife and the girls are actually going to be out of town for a, a day or two this weekend. So, uh, so I plan on uh, trying to see if I can't get some things started that uh, that I've I've been uh, meaning to start for a while. <laughs> you know, when you get that rain, it actually it'll enhances that shop time because that's a, that's a big deal. Um, so, I mean, when, when you do get to the actual point where you can actually see the, the workbench, is there anything that you have on your horizon that you'd like to do, or is it just you just clear your path to it? <laughs> um, there's a couple. Uh, one of the projects that I've been kind of tinkering with lately and drawing and designing on quite a bit is uh, my dad, when, when, um, 
when my dad was was growing up as as he was a kid and then even when I was a kid and stuff you know back up in in North Carolina in the, the mountains there there's there's they they always plow the fields up and there's in the to, to, for the tobacco patches and you know you could you can just pick up handfuls of arrowheads i mean they're just thick so i've got a a box that's probably 18 inches long by 10, 12 inches wide, and it's it's probably six inches or eight inches deep with with arrowheads. I mean, just packed full. Um, so my dad's had these forever, and I've picked some up with it too. So I've wanted to do something with them. So um, I'm thinking about building a display, just kind of a cabinet for that, and doing just some some uh, just real shallow drawers, just kind of stacked up to pull out and do do like a probably be sort of a kind of that Kronoff style, um, you know, display cabinet, something like that. So. I've been tinkering a lot with the, the ideas and, and drawing on it, so now it's kind of get to the point where I'm I'm ready to get started on it. So uh, that's probably what I'm going to work on first. Um, is just getting getting everything kind of laid out, see what materials I've got on hand and what I'm going to need, and and start kind of roughing things out. Not bad. All right, Diami, what what's going on that's in cool. your neck of the woods? Well, first I I uh, filmed my monthly shop tour video last night, and I realized that I've done zero work on the shop in the last month, which was kind of depressing. Um, but I have not been entirely unproductive. I, over the last weekend, I actually installed the three additional treehouse supports. So now that broken bolt is no longer even necessary. I've got the treehouse actually supported by real lumber in all four corners. So the treehouse is back on track. And I'm just about done with my wife's glue gun rack. That's kind of a side project that's been kicking around for the longest time, and I'm in the process of finishing it now. It's so damn humid here. It's taking multiple days between coats of finish for it to dry. But all I have to do is put two more coats of armor seal on it, and it'll be done. Tiami, Tiami, you're talking to a guy from Tampa Bay and a guy from Atlanta <laughs> about you. That's true. Okay, I got to do the backstroke to my to my mailbox. So don't talk to me about humidity, pal. One of these days we're gonna have to do a uh, we're gonna have to do a uh, show about the effects of humidity and the other end, where in the summer or right now in places like Arizona, um, you know they've got like three percent humidity out there. So it's it's gonna right. be interesting to. Uh, Maybe we should do a little, you know, a little show on wood movement and planning like that. It'd be kind of fun to have somebody from the Southwest in. Yeah, most definitely. Who do we know in the Southwest? Hmm. Hmm. What is it about just Arizona? There's a lot of woodworkers there. There's no trees, but a lot of woodworkers. <laughs> they really seem to be. I don't know. They all congregate there. It's, it's kind of funny. But be, before we find out what's on your bench, Tom, let me just touch on one thing that Chris said was – you talked about how your wife and daughters are going out of town for a day or two and how wonderful mm-hmm. that is to get time in the shop as much as you'll miss them terribly. Shh, don't tell them um, this. I, next weekend, my father is taking my children and my sister-in-law is taking my wife. And I plan to, I've already enlisted help and I plan to spend two 16-hour days in the shop just kicking ass and taking names. So I know exactly what you mean in those, those brief fleeting days you get when you're the only one home and how, how wonderful they are. <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been planning this for weeks. You, you guys, I'll, you guys I'll are miss so, you, honey. You guys are so adorable because right now, Rhonda and the two boys are on a 23-day vacation. They're not even in the state of Florida anymore. They're doing the big tour of the Northeast, visiting family while I'm here working. Wow. I'm in the hurricane season. So she was going to either sit around for three weeks and have the kids pester and annoy, but... She can go visit family, and right now she's in Baltimore. Isn't school vacation longer than three weeks? Well, they're taking three weeks out of the summer. Oh, okay. So they're only going to sit around for five weeks. Well, you see? You see how well that works? They've already taken two since they end of school. They're going to have just a few more when they get back. It'll be wonderful. 
Hey, send them to Long Island if you want. My kids will amuse them. Well, it'd be great. They can uh, actually they know how to swing a hammer, so they can help you with the shop. We'll get the Iovino boys working on the treehouse. It'll be great. Iovino and Iovino helping you out. <laughs> well, anyway, what's, what's in your shop? Go- what's in my shop right now? A bunch of mess. I finished the um, two by four project, and I posted about it on my blog. And it was the first time I'd ever built a domed lid uh, box. Really nice, cute little pirate treasure chest out of a two by four. The funny thing was. I realized that building a dome lid is insanely simple. And you know what I'm thinking? How do you do it? Basically, you cut two ends, like gable ends, with a curve. Mm -hmm. And you put a rabbit in in that curve. And then what you do is cut the pieces thin. And there's a calculation that you get the angle. And then what you do is cut the pieces. And then you used used hide glue, which is a really good initial tack. And I put one between the top right on the center line. And it clamped it there. And then I just went back and forth front and back, and I glued mm-hmm. them to the sides and into each other. So when the whole thing curved, they were dry to drive in a beautiful curve. It was attached to the to the sides, and it just took some sanding, and it rounded right over perfectly. That's so it was, cool. It was, it was, you know, now I know how to do it. I'm thinking, wow, do that with a little soft maple, do it with a little cherry, do it with a little walnut. Next thing you know, we got a pretty cool-looking box. So I'm... Tom, how, how big was that box you made? It was it was like twelve by eight, and it was maybe uh, nine inches tall. So it was kind of like all the dimensions. Like basically, the sides were six inches because you you cut you resaw the board in half, and you've got about six inches of working material there. And then the arc on the on the top was the three inches for the uh, for the two by four. And I just uh, I just uh, cross I just um, uh, resaw that in half, so I had two identical sides. And it, you know, it, it was a nice little buy with nice size. I mean, it's. You know, I threw, just threw some stain on it, and I kind of, you know, because I, I finished it really late. Um, so I didn't really put the finish on I wanted to. But I could see, you know, a little bit more time, a lot more sanding, scraping. That could actually turn out to be a pretty cool-looking project. Nice. And and now I've got to clean the shop, and then, you know, the next thing is I've got a friend out speaking it about it. It was a cool-looking project. I didn't touch it, so I'm not going to. Well, I mean, I was banging on it, and the lid was very secure. I mean, it just, there was no flex in it. It just dried really you know, there it was. It was. Mm-hmm. It was there was. You could. It, there was no movement in the board or anything. It was. It was nice. Um, now I've got a friend out in Yuma, Arizona, whose daughter is a swimmer, and she uh, she's won a lot of trophies and a lot of awards and ribbons. So he's asked me to help uh, to build for her a uh, a display case for her trophies and her ribbons. So what we're going to do is I'm going to start. Uh, I've already got some plans in mind. Um, basically, it's going to be something with a with a rack on the top where she can hang her ribbons, and then inside it's going to be where she can put her trophies. So it'll be kind of a nice little wall hanging rack that you can put her trophies and ribbons up on. Doing like so a that's, like a glass door on the front, or you know, you... I was thinking a glass door, but then maybe not. I'm not sure. So you know, I, what I was going to do if I was going to build something that would need glass, I'm going to have to ship it to them, let it sit for a while, so it acclimates to the human. That should be nice. Mm-hmm. And then he can go, then just get the glass there. And I was going to say, just let him go get the glass for it. Yeah. All right. So that's that's next on the agenda, and uh, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm I've got like three weeks of time in the shop where I can just go do whatever I want to. So, so have you been spending a lot of time in the shop? When or when did the girls leave or the, uh, the, the, the guy, family? The, the crew left uh, just uh, uh, Monday. Okay, and um, they're going to be coming back on the twenty first, twenty second, sometime around there. So. I, you know, I, I cleaned up the shop. I cleaned up a bunch of it. I still have some more to do. But, you know, it's going to be a matter of just getting out there and, you know, tackling it a little bit at a time, and then I'll get right back into doing the projects. Good deal. 
So, hey, you know, you got to have a summer vacation. <laughs> there's no basketball. There's no, like, no, like, you know, no other classes or things that the kids do. No, no volunteering. You know, it's just nice and easy. It's, you right. know, it's relaxed. So have some time in there in the shop to do that. But enough hmm. about me and my family's vacation. It's a long time in the shop. <laughs> I can tell you, it's a long time in the shop. Um, so what, what out there on the web has piqued anybody's interest? What, what's going on? And I've, I've got something I'd like to start with. Ooh, well, ooh, let's, ooh. let's hear it. Can I please start? Go for it. Every, every Sunday I put up a quick poll on my website. Um, you know, it's kind of an opportunity for people to weigh in different things. Well, this last week I put up a poll about the Shopsmith. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Shopsmith, it was, it's an American-made multi-function power tool. It's, it's a stationary tool. It but you slices. Can, it dices. It, it Julian's it makes mounds of coleslaw, I'm telling you. <laughs> and and what happened was I uh, you know, it converts from a table saw to a lathe, to a drill press, to a, a shaper. It's got all these different functions and you just flip that one motor around it, it does all these different things. Well I posted the uh, quick poll and it was surprising. Suddenly I had a whole bunch of posts. It went from nobody wanted one or liked one or had one to all of a sudden there was like this huge surge of numbers at the top of the poll. People loved theirs. And it, I'm it was, shocked. It was, it, was, it was it was really funny because I noticed that all the traffic was coming from the wood from the Shopsmith website. Really? So it turns out that in their four and a half for Shopsmith owners, somebody posted the link. Go and on. People came in and started writing these glowing reviews of the Shopsmith. Hey, you know, I mean, I've never thought of owning one. I, I've heard some people say they're not so good, but the people who use them seem to think they're the the bee's knees. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where you can get everything all in one. You can get the drill press and the bandsaw and the. Now, granted, it's kind of like trying to make the proverbial sports car dump truck. But I, I mean, you it, know, I had one that that um, it was a cousin of my dad or something had one, and and he uh, he he gave it to me, and so Dad said, "Why don't you just bring it down, and see if you can sell it?" So I brought it down, put it on Craigslist. I turned it on one time, and that was because the guy was coming to look at it, and I'm like, "You want well, to make sure it ran? <laughs> I better make sure it runs." But you know, this thing had show me. I mean, it's crazy when you start digging through all the attachments on it. But you know, the the guy that 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 I ended up buying it, he was a he was a, a watch repair. That's what he did was repair watches and clocks and things like that. And he said, you know, I I get a lot of clocks to work on, and he says inevitably I'll have some clock that I've got to replace, you know, maybe it's got a board or something that's gone bad on it. And he says, I need a lot of different types of tools. You know, he said, I may need a little bandsaw. He may, said, I may need to rip a new little board for it. I may need to carve on it a little bit. But he says, I do it like every once in a while. So for somebody like that, it was perfect. I mean, he he needed all of the different tools that we have in our shops that we use for woodworking, but he needed it, you know, yeah, I mean, every once or twice a year. I mean, it wasn't enough to where he could justify buying all the different tools. So, I mean, I, I can definitely see where there's a, there's a, a place for that. And, um, you know, the funny you know, thing is, Chris, on air. It just came back on. Okay. We're, we're still cooking. We're on the air. Diami was the dropout. But it's okay. Don't worry about it. We're back. Everybody's joining the video call. <laughs> we're still here. Okay, so, uh, but anyway, in European shops, there's a lot of combination machines. So a lot of people are actually using the combination machines in Europe, and apparently with a lot of success. So it's an interesting concept, one I never thought of. Obviously, if you're going to spend money on a table saw and a bandsaw and everything, you're going to be spending some big coin. I saw the price of a brand new shop, Smith. It's like buying a lot of tools at once. Right. So, 
But, you know, if it does it right, I mean, hey, who knows? There's a market for everything, Tom. I know, but mm. passionate supporters. I'm going to say this to the folks. Hey, if you're a ShopSmith owner, email us. Let us know what you think because the folks who are using theirs were just loving it, loving it like you wouldn't believe. So, hey, you know, just let us know if you use one. We want to find out more about it. Maybe we'll have somebody in to talk about it. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have somebody come kind of on that, that, uses a, that uses one regularly and is passionate about it and just tell us, hey, here's here's what I do. So most right. definitely. Anybody else see anything online? Nope. No. Okay. Maybe I should recommend this Doug's site for the third week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to get you some Because it's new and it's baby. good. We're going to get you some new material, baby. Yeah. Um, I want to take this opportunity, though, to publicly – what I meant to talk to Chris about before the show, I'm just going to do it now on air. Um, Chris, what we started talking about, about Fine Woodworking Live, is that they're doing a build-off on Friday night. Right. And since I won't be there Friday night, I need you to lead an MWA team, and we need to solicit a couple of volunteers. I'm not sure how many people are going to be on per team. I need to look that up. But I, I think we were invited to have a Modern Woodwork Association team in the build-off. And as our fearless president, I think you need to lead it. I will lead the team to victory. We will charge forward. Is it okay if I show up? I'll, I'll check into that. Okay, good. I just want to make sure I wasn't <laughs> violating any rules. <laughs> no, most I'll, definitely. I'll check need, into it, and yeah. I'll try to uh, I'll get a post up, and we'll call out for some volunteers of anyone who's going to Fine Woodworking Live. Besides just all hanging out, which we'll certainly do, we're going to try to man a team for their Friday night build-off. And just a fair warning, anybody that's hanging out with me, I'm probably going to drag you into it regardless. So <laughs> You might as well volunteer now. Just remember, if the words you use are, hey, I recognize you from the MWA podcast, you're going to be on the team. You're on the team. <laughs> that qualifies you. <laughs> well, folks, All right. now comes the time of our presentation where, by golly, we've got an interesting and really, I'm excited about this guy being on guest from my home state of New Jersey. Just over the Hudson from that other place that people like to talk about is Wilbur Pan. Wilbur, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing, Tom? Doing great. Hey, Wilbur, you're the primary raconteur of GiantCypress.net since 2010. Does that mean you're a giant raccoon? I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> I'm a little slow in the update, okay? Hang on. I'm writing a note to myself. Send Tom Dictionary for his birthday. Thank you. That's <laughs> right. early part of December, Wilbur. Okay, got time to shop. Shop and ship, baby. <laughs> so, so welcome to the MWA. Now, Wilbur, you've been you've been doing your Giant Cypress blog since 2010. What? What? I mean, tell me about what what your philosophy is when you when you put up your post there. Oh, um, let's see. Basically, I'm I, I, honestly I'm doing this for my own amusement. Um, it, it, it's a, sort of a weird story as to how this um, how this actually all took off. What happened at the time was uh, my sister, who is a um, <laughs> my, my, my sister who who, um, who teaches English and Chinese in high school, um, okay. had a number of blogs that she um, was doing some for herself, some where it was uh, just basically pictures of her kids, and she told me I should check it out and, uh, and, 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 and give it a try. So um, I found, uh, I, so, I, so I, set, I set my blog up, 
I typed one post, which was about the Japanese version of a plow plane. And I looked at it and I said, well, that's interesting. Um, and then for my woodworking club, um, I actually had to uh, talk to um, uh, Chris Schwartz about something that he was doing for us. So I sent him an email um, about the stuff with the, with the club. And then I said, oh, by the way, I set up this blog. And here's the website. Could you take a look at it and let me know what you think? And he looks at it and emails me back and goes, that's awesome. We need more information about Japanese tools out there. Okay. That was Sunday night. Monday morning, I look in my uh, email, and in the popular woodworking weekly e <laughs> email newsletter, he, uh, there's uh, Chris writes something about how um, the great thing about the internet is you can always find something new. And there's a woodworker in New Jersey who started up a blog about Japanese woodworking. <laughs> And I look at it, oh crap! <laughs> yeah, you I better post, post number two, three, and four ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, but but basically, uh, when I uh, when I uh, put posts up, it's just you know, uh, stuff that, uh, that that I find interesting or amusing or uh, bad jokes or or or, or um, uh, things things that are just important to me. Um, and I and I actually found that uh, that's probably the best way to do any sort of writing. Just uh, pick something that you really feel um, interested in um, and like thinking about and, um, and and do that because then if you're interested in it then that'll telegraph when you write about stuff and then uh, hopefully other people will pick up on that as well. Um, the, be the best example I heard about this is that um, uh, uh, I heard this talk on you know writing for um, uh, uh, writing for the internet and mm -hmm. um, the and, and uh, the, the philosophy went something like this um, don't start a Star Wars blog because lots of people like Star Wars. Start a blog about Jawas. Even better, start a blog about the Jawa that's third to the right in the scene where R2-D2 gets, gets zapped. <laughs> if that's all you write about, you will be known as the Jawa guy, and then people will come, uh, uh, come find you. And, and it seems to have uh, worked out because, uh, quite honestly, I had no idea what my blog was going to be, uh, be like when I first started, other than there would be some Japanese woodworking tool stuff in there. But now it's uh, sort of morphed into this weird conglomeration of uh, Japanese woodworking stuff, uh, some interesting things in woodworking that I find interesting just because it's me, um, Asian American pop culture, and mm -hmm. you know, stupid jokes about New Jersey. So there you go. <laughs> Two thumbs up for that. Yeah, yeah Wilbur. I mean, I, I've been, I've been really, you know, I've been following you for a while. And I think that's really, a great mix. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you put it all together. It's that's that's yeah. a plus right there. I've been following your writing for a while. You do really cover. A lot of a lot of ground. One of the more interesting things I remember reading on your blog was it was a you were having a discussion about the philosophy of sharpening, and it was like there you, you know you got you go to a group of people and there's a there's a hundred percent everybody's got their own different method of sharpening, mm -hmm. and what you you know you've got people oil stones water stones sandpaper Tormex and then what happens is what you hear is that my boy is the best and everybody else is is a moron. <laughs> And I just love that. I keep going back to that one post thinking, this is what sometimes, unfortunately, online woodworking degenerates into sometimes. Where it's, you know, if I feel like if I'm being attacked, everybody else is a moron. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Actually, that's um, uh, one of the things I'm pretty careful about doing for myself because, you know, it's, uh, it's not a surprise. I like, uh, I, I've been um, I've been interested in trying to figure out how this whole Japanese tool thing works, but I'm not going to be one to say, 
um, oh, you uh, you know, you have to use Japanese tools, or Japanese tools are so much better than anything else. I'm really trying to approach this from a uh, standpoint of um, this is interesting to me, and I think it's worthwhile figuring out how this stuff works because um, it's all woodworking. So there's got to be lessons that people can learn, even if you're never going to use a Japanese tool at all. And I, I think that comes across when you talk about it, Wilbur, because I heard the lecture you gave at the woodworking shows when they were in New Jersey this winter. Um, I happened to walk in right as you were starting your speech, and for what it's worth, my two eight-year-olds actually sat there and didn't get upset that we were listening to a lecture about Japanese tools for 90 minutes. Um, now, you know, they had their little tablet, but still, they didn't, they didn't lose patience, which goes to a lot to your ability to entertain people. And part of that, when you were talking about the Japanese tools, wasn't just, you know, this is how the Japanese do it, this is the right way to do it. It was, this is the way their tools work, and explaining fundamentally how they came up with them and what they do, and how that's the same and different than Western tools. And it was really your, your, uh, your interest in them and your understanding about them comes across when you talk. So if anyone hasn't had an opportunity to, to read Wilbur's stories in Pop Hood or to listen to the occasional lectures he gives on Japanese tools, uh, you really should. Yeah, that, you know, when um, uh, uh, the reason I got interested in Japanese tools is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm of Chinese descent, and when I first got into woodworking, I knew that, um, uh, I, I quickly figured out that I should be uh, figuring out how to use hand tools, uh, mainly because I've got two kids, and any time that, uh, uh, any time that I get is probably going to be after they're in bed, and mm -hmm. I can't be firing up a router table or you know stuff like that when when everyone's asleep. On top of that, um, I'm kind of paranoid about dust just because of you know my uh, um, my uh, my day job um, because I know too much about what dust does to you know kids' lungs. Um, but but then uh, when I started looking at hand tools, um, I found out the, about this world of Japanese tools, and it's not a big stretch to, since I'm Chinese and these are also Asian tools that um, I got interested in them. So I started look, looking up information, and um, I was kind of dismayed to see that uh, there seemed to be a lot of um, not useful discussion about how these uh, tools work, because it basically boiled down to two things that, were, that people would say. Either, you know, these were um, the, the 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 most uh, most um, elegant, sophisticated um, tools, and it takes forever to figure out how to use them. Or there's a bunch of foreign crap, and we're Americans, so we're not. Gonna, uh, <laughs> why should I be interested in that? And especially when I saw that, I like you know double check my birth certificate and said, <laughs> "Wait a minute." <laughs> so. Um, so, so I've always um, uh, uh, so, so that you know, so I tried to uh, look at it from a different uh, point of view. I I, um, I, I knew how hand, re, you know regular hand planes and saws and chisels worked, um, and I figured that um, regardless of the mystique behind um, of what a lot of people were saying at the time, um, at some point it's just you know, sharp pieces of metal cutting through wood. And at some point, physics has to take over, um, and, um, and and I you know, sort of went from there. And, and it's actually made it um, uh, a lot easier for me to understand all kinds of you know things about hand tools um, uh, once once I started taking that approach and not concentrating so much on um, uh, uh, on you know what the differences were. Now, now, do you? Um, I mean, for myself, I I 
I started out probably just using you know Western hand tools, but I've kind of found that I've started mixing a lot of Japanese hand tools in there. Um, is this something you ever do? Do you do you mix up? Do you do you bring in some Western tools just for some comparison purposes, or just to or, or for maybe something that you you, you find you know there's a, a different use for both of them? Oh yeah, um, actually the first Western tool, I, uh, the first hand tool I ever had uh, was the regular old Stanley number four that everyone seems to pick up as their uh, first plane. And I spent, you know, um, when I first got it, I learned how to sharpen the blade, and I spent like, um, you know, two days just planing away a big piece of wood just to uh, figure out how uh, how it worked. Um, and I and I, and I do have um, I, I do have Western tools. Um, actually, the one <clears throat> the one thing uh, I, I've collected a big, wide variety of Japanese tools over um, uh, over the past few years now, um, mainly to play around with and just to see you know what they do. And there does seem to be a, um, a Japanese tool equivalent for just about anything mm -hmm. that you can uh, think of in the Western world, except a router plane. And I don't know why, hmm. um, but there doesn't seem to be a Japanese equivalent of uh, of, a, of a router plane, uh, not like um, what happens in the in, in the Western world. Um, they do have have um, what's called a Jam Japanese crank neck chisel where uh, the handle comes across like this and then it drops down and the blade is over here. So you can use that to uh, easily um, use a chisel to pair along the bottom of, bottom of a groove. But there's no depth stop, you know, the way that um, right. uh, you have in a router plane. Um, and there are Japanese planes that are set up to cut a groove, but they're pretty much fixed in width and depth. So... Um, uh, um, so you know the, uh, the uh, one of the planes I have will always cut a quarter inch by quarter inch uh, square groove in a in, in a board. Um, and having said that, you know uh, tools are tools and tools are fun to use. And so you know I'll I'll use whatever I need to, to use um, to get the job done. It just so happens that most of the time I'm reaching for a Japanese tool. Wilbur actually called me out the other day. I was uh, my 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 wife and and daughters had bought me some some tools for uh, for our Father's Day, and one of them was a, a Japanese smoothing plane. So I've got it in the shop and I'm playing around. And of course, the girls come out and the girls just love you know when I've got hand planes out just playing around to to, to help. So so I did like a little keek video of it and the and the girls are helping and they're pulling and I'm going push. <laughs> so. I got called out that uh, you need to tell them to to pull. <laughs> yeah, it's the pull thing. It's, yeah, it's... <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I mean, I you know, just from from what I've played around with it. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, it's there may be some little different methods and and how they're used, but for the most part, I mean, you're still accomplishing the same thing. And mm -hmm. you know, the maybe slightly different designs and slightly different methods, and you know push and pull and all that, but you're still accomplishing the same task, so. Right. So, um, the, um, the, the push and the pull thing is, is kind of interesting. Um, I actually do think that there's some, there's some slight ergonomic advantage to um, pulling a plane towards you as opposed to pushing a plane uh, away from you and, um, and using a handsaw uh, because uh, by virtue of the fact that you're cutting on the pull stroke, um, the teeth engage the wood and the blade automatically straightens out, which means that you can use a much thinner piece of uh, steel to make the uh, saw plate, which means that your curve is narrower, which means that it's going to be less wood to remove, which means that it's going to be easier to make uh, make a cut that way. But but those are all really just relative things. It's not like one is so much superior than the mm -hmm. uh, than the other because you know if you take 
take a look at the Western woodworking tradition, there are certainly tons of gorgeous pieces that were uh, that were made, and a lot of people using Western tools to um, uh, to make projects that you know up, up to this day. But likewise, you know, there, there's really excellent examples of Japanese woodworking uh, that are out there, and people using Japanese tools to do the same thing. Um, uh, actually, one of the things I'm uh, trying to finish up is a, a Bible box. And if you look at it, it's basically got a completely traditional um, 18th century uh, format. It's William and Mary style. Um, it's walnut dovetailed uh, corners, balloon pattern that I applied to the um, uh, to the bottom and to the top. Um, you really couldn't tell that it was anything you know that, that it was anything other than what might have been floating around. Um, in the 18th century, mm -hmm. but I did it all with Japanese tools. Um, the point is, it's not you know the the uh, um, uh, the the tool that drives what the project is going to be look like. It's what you what you do with them. I mean, ultimately, it's it's you have a plan, and then how you execute the plan. I mean, if I cut my dovetails for a for a similar box with a router jig versus um, a Japanese tool versus a Western hand tool. You know, I mean, the, the end result, nobody's really going to know the difference. Mm -hmm. When you think right. about it, I mean, you look at that final piece and does it really even matter? So, right. you know, your method of getting there is just it's a personal preference. And, and you know, I've, I've used a lot of Japanese tools and I love them. Um, they're, they're very comfortable. They come to the hand very well. But I could say the same thing about a lot of Western tools. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's one of the situations where it's, you know, I've got a, I've got a dovetail. Well, I don't cut dovetails very well by hand. But I've got a Dozuki and I've got a Western dovetail saw, and I'll use them interchangeably. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's part of the reason I'm not not consistent with one. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm just a shop monkey. Um, <laughs> more don't sell yourself thing. short, Tom. You cut beautiful dovetails. Yeah, whatever. I do it with a router jig. It's beautiful. Um, but again, you know, it's it's kind of funny. It's it's uh, you know, one time I remember I was taking a class uh, here at the community center. It was medieval fencing, and I noticed after a while that. You know, all the moves seem very much like judo and and, and, and and karate, and and I thought to myself, well, gosh, can I? You know, I you know, it, it's so simple, it's so similar. And the instructor said, hey, look, everybody's got two arms, they got two legs, they all have you know, you know, a head, they've got they've hands, feet, so all the you know, all the moves are going to be similar because you're attacking the same target. So it's like same thing with wood. I guess you know, you're just, the execution can be just the same with the different kind of tools. Right, right. If that made sense. No, no, it does. Although when you said medieval fencing, I had a vision of like um, a knight in a court jester on a corner trying to sell some. We were we were doing that. I wore the jester <laughs> outfit. I got my butt kicked. Diaby's got a question since he's got still on board. Diaby, what you got? Diaby. Yeah. Okay. So he's not still on board. He's not Diami on board. Is, he's kind of looking, but he can't. Yami is us. having some internet connection he's got problems. problems tonight, we'll, we'll, so. we'll keep moving on. Now, yeah. now, Wilbur, you wrote a couple of articles um, in popular woodworking magazine. Separated at birth uh, was one uh, with uh, the arts and mysteries column with Bob Rozaleski, mm -hmm. and then it comes down to the cut. It was an end grain column in uh, in October of 2012. And he wrote a really good piece on Japanese chisels in February of this year. Oh, thanks. When when you when you write these, you know, talk to me a little bit about what you're trying to communicate. I mean, you know, how you're and how you're going about it. Ooh. Um, hmm. that, that's a hard question because um, how I wound up writing all of those articles were 
came about in uh, very different ways. The um, okay. Japanese Chisel article is basically a straightforward um, article. I'd been, um, you know, I, I had, you know, floated the idea of uh, writing an article about you know Japanese chisels, um, mainly from the point of view where um, uh, again. All right, and so that is the last of what we've got for this episode. So once again, uh, we apologize for uh, for for not having the rest of this. Uh, we're pretty bummed about it, and uh, thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>